from the Kramer Basketball Headquarters in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. You are listening to the Coach's Edge podcast, powered by Coach. Here is your host, Steve Kramer. We interrupt this amazing episode to let you know that we have three Zoom panels with Coach's Edge going on this month. At the end of the month, everybody, anybody is invited. On October 22nd, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Doreen Ingalls, five-time state championship coach, Brian Morehouse, two-time NCAA Division III national champion, and Jeremy Schiller, IMG Academy, are speaking on the topic of winning. On October 25th, we're talking about three-on-three. Talking about three on three and how it can be applied to improve your program. We're talking at the pro high level with FIBA master instructor Chuck Arnold. We're talking at the junior high and high school level with Ithaca varsity boys basketball coach Josh Rayburn. And we're talking about at the youth level with me. That's all on October 25th, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's via Zoom. And then we're talking leadership on October 30th with Jeff Mezzatesta, one of the top boys basketball coaches in 1A and 2A in the state of South Carolina. Anthony Troshak, Charlevoix, Michigan, Coach's Edge contributor. Both these guys have their masters in leadership. They they eat and breathe and sleep leadership. And then Troy Slatman will also be joining that. He's a principal. He's a former college athlete. He's somebody who I pick uh, his brain. I stay with him uh, sometimes when I go up to Ohio to run camps. And he's just, every time I, I leave having conversation with him, I am better off because of it. He's a ton of leadership when it comes to sports, business, teaching, education in that area. So October 22nd, winning. October 25th, three on three. October 30th, leadership hit me up, contact at KramerBasketball.com. I will send you the invite. You are not going to want to miss these Zoom panels that we have for anybody. It doesn't matter if you're a Coach's Edge Coach member or not. We want you to get better because of these meetings. Come in and get after it and get better with us. Let's get to the show. I'd like to welcome back one of my favorite basketball trainers to the Coach's Edge podcast, Coach Ryan Thomas, Hoop Grind Basketball down in Jacksonville, Florida. Also the coach at Impact Christian Academy down in Jacksonville. Coach, thanks for taking the time to be on the Coach's Edge podcast. Yeah, man. I'm excited to be back and uh, talk some hoops with you. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. You know, I've always talked about, you know, it's great to have mentors. We can learn a lot. There's self-development out there through listening to podcasts and books and all those different things. But there's nothing like just like peer-to-peer relationships with other people who are you know, going through different things. And I know, you know, you've, you've helped me a lot being able to just pick your brain as a fellow basketball trainer and business owner. I know you've helped me uh, with the things I have going a lot and I'm looking forward to you helping our listeners, right. As far as how they can help the players that they're coaching, they're working with as they start to prepare for basketball season. So I know this is going to be beneficial, not only for me, but for everybody else. You work with tons of players during the summer. Um, You, you're, traveling running camps but you also have a a a really strong local uh basketball training location in in jacksonville for our listeners who haven't heard you before why don't you give us just a a real quick snippet of your your basketball training a little bit of your background and then we're going to dive into you know what fall preseason training can look like 
Yeah, for sure, man. Well, the, the feeling's definitely mutual, man. I appreciate our conversations. You know, I learn something every time we talk. So um, that that's that's been an amazing relationship to build. So I definitely appreciate you there, man. Um, but just a, a little bit about myself. Um, like you said, I um, coach at Impact Christian Academy, which is a, a private school here in Jacksonville. Um, also the athletic director there. So wear a couple of hats with the school. Um and um, outside of that, uh, founder of Hoop Grind Basketball, we have a training facility out here in Jacksonville Beach where we do year-round player development. Um, so I am fortunate to do a lot of things that I love on a daily basis um, and work with a lot of great people. Um, the staff at Impact is amazing. Um, the trainers that I'm able to work with um, at Hoop Grind are amazing um so the opportunity to to you know share your passion with people that are just as devoted to you know development and mentorship um as you are is just an awesome experience um so it's it's cool um and i get to travel too i work with a a program as a lead clinician um breakthrough basketball um so we do camps with them throughout the throughout the year um you know, this past year I scaled back, but I still did about four, four camps kind of scattered throughout the country over the summertime with them and um, get to go meet a whole new crop of kids. Um, we normally have about 60 kids in the gym and I'm working with coaches from from a different area that I've never met before. We meet the day of the camp. Um, we do a pre-camp powwow and get to know each other and set the foundation for the camp. Um, but then we jump into it, we get after it. Um, so that's, that's been a blessing as well. Um, so all, all, all fun things, man. Great opportunities to continue to learn, you know, as a basketball coach, when you get to see players, you know, whether it's weekly, whether it's, it's one time and, and you're seeing how they play and maybe you're on the camp in you know, Minnesota, for example, and it's like, you know, I've never met these kids and what's the style of play up here compared to being in Florida or, and then you go to Texas and the, what is the style of play over here? tons of great things we can learn uh, from our players. What does working with a player look like during the fall compared to what a workout and what training may look like for them during the summer? I mean, what, what are the, some of the similarities and differences? Um, so there's, there's definitely a lot of similarities, you know, in, in the summer. And then as you roll towards the fall, um, as far as the, the foundations of what we do, um, high, high intensity. Um, we want to simulate the game as much as possible. Um, and we want translatable skills, right? So when we work in the summertime, we are, um, we're trying to create the foundation for what we'll be doing through the summer into the fall with those kids that we're working with here on a consistent basis. Um, so we've got targeted goals that we're trying to hit throughout the summer. Um, but the summertime, we do a little bit more to kind of add to our game, you know, so we'll, we'll take a little more time to, to kind of pinpoint some weaknesses and try to strengthen those up over the summer. Um, when we get to like fall development, we really start to hone in on what is your specific role with your team and how can you utilize your strengths to get on the court and keep yourself on the court. So we, we hit a lot of those strengths and then um, 
we, you know, we cover a lot of liabilities as well. Mm -hmm. um, so mm -hmm. you look at strengths, weaknesses, and liabilities. When you get to the, the fall, we're hitting strengths and because that's what's going to get us on the court and keep us on the court. But then we try to cover those liabilities because those are the things that are going to get you pulled out of games. Right. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that that that's probably the main difference. Um, we do ramp up our conditioning elements as we get closer to the season, as we want our our athletes to be primed and ready to go and in the best shape possible um, as they roll into um, roll into the season. Um, the other adjustment that we make is we do less live contact the closer we get to the season. Yeah. Um, we still have game action. We still have um, like guided defense. They'll still do um, some competitive stuff, but it's less live contact just because we want to limit injuries. Yeah. Um, I don't want anybody um, blowing out an ankle or a knee going into tryouts and conditioning with their team. Mm -hmm. No, it's great stuff. And uh, I want to go back to one thing you mentioned in the very beginning when you mentioned targeted goals for players during the summer. What's an example of a targeted goal you'd have for a player that you get to work with on a consistent basis? Um, so again, we're we're looking at what their role is with their team, um, where they're currently at, and what role they're trying to step into. Um, so if if they're looking to extend their range and become, you know, that consistent outside shooter for their team. Um, we're going to put a specific plan in place to track and monitor their progress. Uh, you know, we're going to try to get them to be a green light shooter for their team, you know, um, and we'll, we'll build out programming and we'll put benchmarks along the way. Like you're a red light shooter here because you're whatever, 10 for 10 for 30 from the three point line with nobody guarding you, you know, then you, you're a yellow light shooter. When you bump that up 20 out of 30, um, you get to become a green light shooter and we just, we put in those targets. So, you know, we can hit the goals and obtain the role that we want when we roll up into the season. Mm -hmm. So what coach is talking about here, I did a quick podcast episode on where I talked about the difference. Let's use shooting as an example of like a shot club versus a shot challenge and some of the pros and cons of each. And I think what coaches break it down with these targeted goals and, and green light would be more along the challenge side of like, hey, this is a challenge of being able to knock down X amount of shots, you know, out of 30 or for time, different things like that. And I just, I just love coaching that way because it's, you could put time to it. You can put score to it compared to, hey, I got 20,000 shots up this summer. Mm -hmm. Great. Were they specific to your game? Were they specific to the shots that you're going to be taking uh, next season? Right. Uh, you know, that has can be a little misleading when it's just sheer quantity, right? right. Compared to like these targets, uh, I think we can really dial things in and get specific for the players and how they're going to have those responsibilities and be successful uh, throughout the course of the season. So I love, I love that. You talked about building up the condition of players as they get into, you know, closer to the season while still uh, starting as the season starts to approach, dialing back some of the live contact. What are some of the things that you do to improve their game condition while pulling back some of the, you know, maybe more less one-on-one -on -one or three-on-three, -three, whatever that might be? Yeah, no, you, you're you hitting it right on the head. Like we'll do conditioning, like full court one-on-one -on -one stuff. We'll do that. 
that's more of a summer conditioning type workout because we want we want skill development and game application in our conditioning components. Um, so we'll go from from doing something like that in the summer to putting in more time based challenges in the fall. So like um, like sideline shooting, you're going from the corner three on one end to the corner three on the other end. Um, catch and shoot jump shots. You got two minutes. We're trying to hit uh, 15 or better um, catch and shoot threes from the corners. Um, so we'll start to put in those time challenges um, and, and that's kind of a, a blocked practice, but we'll also do like variable. You'll go for three minutes and you've got, you know, four different game actions that you're getting shots off of. So maybe you're coming off of a ball screen into a pull up and you're running into uh, a flare screen and then you set a pin down and open up and then you come back off of like a stagger screen. So you're getting like four different basketball actions and you're just running through that, um, that progression for two to three minutes mm -hmm. and we'll get conditioned that way. And you're, you're getting conditioning, but you're also getting the game application in that scenario where now I've got to be able to execute playing with pace, being able to come off and make shots, control my dribble while I'm a little bit tired. Um, and so that's kind of how we'll, we'll shift our conditioning elements and we'll start to get away from the the contact part of it. Mm -hmm. You speak my language, talking block practice, variable practice, um, time and score. Uh, let's keep rolling on. Yeah. Come, some of these different training um, methodologies here, as far as uh, you know, how do you, when you're not putting as many individual players out there, as far as competing, what are some ways that you're still able to, randomize the training so that players have to make game-like decisions, right? If I have a mm -hmm. live defender out here, well, no rep is going to be exactly the same, right? right? As far as who am I playing against, the spot, are they early, are they late? How much space do I have? When we're taking some of that uh, physical contact away, a lot of times we can start to take away some of the decisions being made. How do you start to implement that in other ways so that players are still able to work on their decision-making skills? Yes. So um, some of it is, you know, as simple as giving them either a verbal cue or a hand signal, uh, a visual cue. Um, you come off this ball screen. If my hands down, you're pulling up. If my hands are up, maybe hesitation and get to the basket. So you've got those auditory and visual cues that you can use. Um, but one of the things that we, we, we started to do with some of our um, like our scoring guards is We'll set them up in a position where we're coming off of ball screens and um, you're trying to get to this action with simulated defense. Maybe we'll put pop-ups or uh, a box out there where, you know, this is a defender and drop coverage. So we're going to come off. We're going to maybe put our defender in jail as we come off the screen and then we'll snake to this open pocket over here. Um, however, as they're going through that action at any moment, I can tell them to shoot it. Right. So now as they come off looking into that action, they've got to be mindful. Every dribble is a, a dribble to score. Right. So now I'm changing the way that I handle the ball. I'm changing the way that when the ball's in my hands, I'm ready for a pickup because I don't know. Maybe I come and attack that screen and the defender jumps underneath. Right. And I've got to be ready to make that read and ready to shoot the ball. And they won't be able to see the defense do that, but they've got to know that, okay, my dribbles as I approach this, coach could call a shot anytime, right? Um, 
even even as they approach the screen before they even get into it. Maybe the defender's playing lazy, hands down, backing up. We're shooting the three. Mm-hmm. Um, and now if I don't say anything and there's there's no call, they just run the action that I've asked them to 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 run predetermined. And they're just going to put them in jail, snake it, get to their spot, get into the shot that we've called. Mm-hmm. This is great stuff. I love. That's a great way. Great way to do it. I love it. Uh, anything where you're keeping the kids like mentally engaged mm-hmm. while they're out there playing by changing up a verbal cue, hand signal. Um, we've, we've even done like some counting stuff, which is a little bit more very variable side, but uh, where where kids are have to like, hey, if it's one, we're going to jab, but then we're not going to jab again until two. And again, okay, we're not going to do it till three. Mm-hmm. Just say like you're mixing up different dribble moves, but then when you, we get to a certain number, Hey, that's when you're going to cross. So now kids aren't, they don't get the roboticism of two reps, do this, two reps, do this. Right. It's like, no, it's changing every single repetition when you're going to work on a jab step or a certain move, things like that. I, I love that. Um, talk about, you know, any players, I mean, you, you have, I think you just worked with a player who, correct me if I'm wrong, it was like McDonald's All-American, right? Going to play at the Division One level. You work with a lot of high-level players. You work with players that go on to play basketball overseas. And a variety of players are just really successful at the high school level. Um, what's something that you notice common characteristics among those great players? Yeah, man, we've um, we've been very fortunate to work with some really, really special players, some um, high-level players. And you're right. They they all seem to have some very similar characteristics. Um, and to be honest with you, like, you know, some of it is athleticism. Some of it is their size. Um, some of it is just coordination, like stuff that God gave them. Right. Like they're they're born with this. Um, but the majority of it is is that mental side of it, right? the way that they approach the game. Um, so like just their competitiveness, right? They're ultra competitive. You always hear stories about Kobe and Michael Jordan and like it's, it's they're competitive on the basketball court, but they're competitive in everything, right? Like they take, they take winning seriously. Um, and that, that shows in the way that they train and in the way that they play, right? A lot of times you'll watch average players and, you know, they're, they're trying stuff that they've never practiced before. Like they've never got this rep before, but they're going to go out in the game and just, just try it anyway. Um, I think that there, there is a little bit to be said about creativity, but uh, most of these kids, like they're not taking shots that they haven't taken before because they want to see a successful result, right? Like I'm, I'm shooting this shot because I know it's about to go in. And that type of confidence is another side of it, right? Like the confidence that they shoot the ball with is different than you know, some lower level players, like we're shooting this, hoping it goes in versus I'm shooting it, knowing like I'm shooting it because I think it's going to go in. Um, And, you know, going back to Kobe, like you hear stories about him, like everybody says he's a ball hog, but it's it's not that right. He he earned the ability to take these shots, right? Like I go to practice and I'm there two hours before you, you show up 10 minutes before practice and I'm already in a full sweat, been through a Mm -hmm. whole workout why would I give you a shot that you haven't earned? You don't, you don't take the game serious enough. Right. So um, I, I think that's a huge part of it. Um, I do believe that those high level players 
that they are willing to take risks um, and not not in the way where it's something that they're unprepared for, but they're going to take risk. Like when they're working out, they're going to try to push themselves and get outside their comfort zone um, where other kids have like this this fear of failure. Like they don't want to do stuff that they're not good at. They don't want to do things that they aren't comfortable with. Um, but high level players, like they're, they're going to try it. They're going to mess up and that's going to drive them to try it again. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lower level player might, yeah, you might be able to talk them into trying it, but once they mess up, that's it. They're moving mm-hmm. on from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they go home, they're not, they're not trying this on their own. Um, Is there a way that you're able to, you see a kid with, with talent, potential, but that seems to be what's holding them back is not uh, maybe even their skills. It's their mind, right? It's their, it's their mentality, that growth mindset. Are there some ways that you're able to try to get that out of them so that they can then, you know, really in a sense, unleash themselves and be open to failure, right? You mentioned failure. I got failure written on my shirt actually. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Recording this. Um, you know, is, is there a way you're able to coach kids through and start to, you know, grow them in that area that they're struggling? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think the ones where you see that, that being the case, right? Like they, they have the skill set, they have the potential to be that type of player. Um, you can, you can tell, right. And then it's really just about a willingness, right? My thing is um, hit it head on, right? Like talk to them about the fear, right? Like, fear eliminates your growth, right? So you, you gotta, you gotta get rid of the fear of failure, the fear of embarrassment, the fear of getting beat, the fear of losing, looking foolish, like all those things, especially in today's culture, right? With social media, like people are so concerned about ego and how they look. So we got to hit that on the head. As soon as it pops up and you see that being an issue, like let's address it. And then you can kind of gauge, all right, like they understand a little bit. And now we're going to set, we're going to set benchmarks in place, right? So they can see the success, right? Like, okay, today you can't really, you can't really do this, right? You might be successful one out of every 10 times you try it, but we're going to stay with it, right? We're going to put a, put a package in place with these concepts so you can continue to rep it out. And then we're going to track your growth. Right. Because that's what kids need to see. They need to see themselves being successful. Right. If I don't believe that I can do it and I haven't seen demonstrated proof that I can grow in this area, then I'm not going to step out of that fear. I'm going to I'm going to continue to live in it. And, you know, we're going to take the path of least resistance and I'm going to run from that fear. Mm-hmm. I'm the mm-hmm. fight or flight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100% coach. I just you, you got to. And when a kid does, maybe it's one rep out of five where you saw them just like let loose and be what they could be, whether they made a mistake doing it or not, praise them, right? Praise them for, and and again, like we always say at our camps, like the biggest mistake you can make today is not making any, because it means you're not getting out of your comfort zone. Well, how are we going to improve if we don't get out of there? Right. So making that the, the, the standard is to make mistakes, you know, and, and, and to be able to demonstrate that, whether it's yourself, whether it's another player uh, who is at that level and you get a training partner in there, like, you know, I just think of 
know, we have a former, former college players that come in and they help us with our training sessions with the younger players we're working with. When I got one of our former college players and she's doing a crossover drill and she loses the ball. I'm like, see, this was a former division one basketball player. She just lost the ball. What's your excuse for not losing the ball? Right. Cause she's busting her butt, getting after it, pushing herself. Right. And she don't feel bad. She's just like, dang, give me, give me that ball back. I'm gonna keep, keep going. That's it's important for us to just get in an environment where that becomes the mentality. And I think that once we um, put players in that type of position, now they realize, boy, they're almost out of place by being so uh, self-absorbed in the fact that, boy, I got to be perfect. Cause none of these other players being there. That's a, that's like a truly a culture yeah. that takes time to build. Um, I think it's probably even more difficult at, I, mean, I wouldn't say more difficult. I think it's different you know, myself, yourself, we're working with players from different backgrounds, different schools, maybe don't know each other. Whereas a high school coach listening, like you, you can have, you know, players that you can look to, you have an environment, a, a little more of a, a comfort of like, this is the gym that we're training out of at our school and building some of that comfort level within. I, I just think there's, there's some differences there, but super, super valuable. When, yeah. When you work with, sorry about that side tangent. Oh, no, um, you're good. Praising the process, man. I think that's yeah, super important. 100%. You mentioned, you know, fear eliminates growth. Fear eliminates growth. I think that's a really, really insightful statement. Are there examples of players that you've trained in the past that you're now able to teach and give examples of the players you're currently training? Um. Yeah, I think that's the that's the beauty of, you know, for me having one either players that I've coached in high school that have gone on to college and had success that, you know, players in our program, they know they look to. Right. And those players come back because we've been we've kind of created that environment where those players want to come back. They want to be a part of our family still like and, and that's what we are. We're a family. Right. So. To be able to tell the story from the coaching standpoint, but then also to have those athletes come back and say, hey, man, yeah, I I couldn't do this. Like the way that the way that we practice here, the way that we work, it I wasn't ready for it when I first got here. But, you know, just trusting the process and running my head into the wall a few times and, and learning as we go and seeing the growth that, you know, the, the process creates that's huge right and for the for the athlete to be able to share that with you know a younger player that's running into the same issues I think that's huge for them um, and and I kind of use the same model with my my training program right like we we break up our our group workouts based on kind of maturity level um for the most part but every once in a while we throw some of those younger fish with the bigger fish and because they need to see it, right? They need to see it. Even our 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 better high school players, like they need to be in workouts with current college players and overseas pros because the the level of work is different, mm-hmm. right? The level of focus is different as you grow in in, in levels, right? Because if you can't maintain that standard, you're not going to make it. Um, so we try to we try to expose them and let them see, like, okay, this is what success looks like, mm-hmm. and. It's not always clean. It's not always neat. It doesn't always follow the same pattern, but there's clues along the way, 
right? We try to we try to show them, okay, these are the clues that success leaves behind. Um, it, it's your job to pick up on them and, and embrace them. Mm-hmm. For players to be able to 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 hear it, to see it, to feel what mm-hmm. that looks like is huge, and to have the the timeline that you've had where players can come back and share some of their strengths, their successes, also some of their failures and open up. What a great tool that is. And for all of our coaches, regardless of what's player development or anything else, if you can get your players to get a little uncomfortable and share, you know, some of the highs and lows uh, of their playing career, what a great opportunity that is for the next generation to come up. And I love that that is a key piece of what you guys are doing. Yeah. Take them to a, take them to a college practice, man. Just let them see, let them see what it looks like. Let them hear what it sounds like. Um, if you have chances for, for your kids to talk to some of those college players, um, like their stories aren't that much different, you know, everybody kind of goes through a very similar process. You know, there's the top 5% that are just different and, you know, their struggles aren't the same as everybody else's, but the majority of us, we, we hit the same walls. Mm -hmm. We feel the same thing. Um, it's just, you know, how you handle it along the way that determines your, your ceiling. Coach, how long have you been basketball training? Um, so since about 2000 is 2009 is when I started to stick my feet in the water, probably like knowing that this is the career path that I want. Um, and, and I, and I see it and I can feel it probably since 2012. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, I mean, you, you've been involved in some way, shape or form for about 14 years, right? Um, what are some of the changes or differences that you've noticed in kids over the years of doing player development? Um, yeah. So I think in general, man, kids are way more athletic and way more skilled than they've ever been. Um, and I think that trend's just going to continue. Um, but many of them are less productive on the court, right? So we've got players that can do way more now than anybody has ever been able to do. Like you just watch, go watch old NBA clips, right? There's always the comparison, like, would this player be successful nowadays? Um, I think, you know, some of those players would be successful, but in, in large, the amount of skill and the athleticism has changed so much in, in recent history. Um, and I think a lot of it is resources and knowledge, right? You, um, you have knowledge at your fingertips. Uh, there's trainers everywhere. YouTube videos teach people what to do. We take athletics more seriously now than we ever have in the past. Um, most legit players are or and even you know average players are in the weight room um uh, working on their body um it's cool to have a foam roller or a theragun or you know recovery is now a thing that is something that people bought into that's you a know? great point right there that's true it's it's almost like cool to recover i, I yeah. like that yeah. yeah. 10 years ago, like it was almost well, maybe a little longer than that, but it was almost like people look down on you. Yeah, you're if, soft. If yeah. you show weakness, right? Like when we play ball in, in college, like, yeah, if you got to go to the trainer, like, man, come on, suck yeah. it up. You'll yeah. be all right. 100%. Yeah. From your teammates, from your coaches, from your family, like, mm-hmm. yeah, you'll be all right, man. What, mm-hmm. you, what, are you, what are you being soft for? Tough it out. Uh, yeah. 
so yeah so i think that that stuff has changed man um but i think that we are holding kids back in certain ways on the productivity side right so um like in terms of youth athletes um youth coaches i feel like at times um and not the good ones but at times they hinder the development of younger players um you know sometimes it's like egos and chasing trophies is the most important thing over development and you know you and i were huge development guys so we're obviously a little bit uh different on our outtake with youth athletics um but then outside of egos and chasing trophies there's they're setting themselves up and, and pigeonholing kids at a young age right i'm putting my tallest kid next to the basket i'm going to give my fastest most athletic kid the ball and let them dominate the game everybody else is kind of left to the wayside right so i think that th it hurts us right um those bigger faster stronger kids um, and even the taller kids, they're not being developed. They're using what they currently have to be the end all be all of of their game. Right. And then the the kids that aren't in that category are almost left in the dust. Right. It's like they're not getting any attention. They're not getting any development and they don't see the success on the court. Right. So that's a that's a, a blow to their confidence. Right. Because you got their mom and dad or their parent or their guardian, you know, telling them like, you need to be more aggressive. You need to shoot it. You need to shoot it. But that's not what their coach wants to see. Right. And they're not putting them in a position where they can get good shots. Right. They're more like, just let's space this thing out. We'll run four out dribble driving, but really we just want to get this one kid downhill so we can go get a layup. Um, so I think with youth athletics, that kind of hinders us because people don't really understand the game, right? We're not teaching them concepts, actions, reads. We're we're saying, okay, this is the strengths of this team. Let's let's utilize it like a varsity high school coach would probably do, right? But that's not the case at that young age. You know, it should be developing your entire roster and teaching them how to play the game versus, you know, going to chase a trophy. Um yeah, no, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. I couldn't agree more. Um, I, I just think that there's so much that can still be uh, attained and developed. I mean, you talked about players being more skilled and, and just the talent level. Uh, there's so much more we know about recovery, as you mentioned. There's so many positives, but at the same time, there's a lot of things that we still have a long way to go in mm -hmm. the development world as far as working with kids, especially at the youth level that I think can make them more successful down the road there's no no question about that yeah i i agree 100 percent, man and even when you when you jump those kids up into the the middle school level and the high school level like i feel like we we have issues there right so um a lot of times for me it's almost too structured for those kids right mm -hmm. like I, I i study a lot of the player development stuff and I watch a lot of trainings and workouts and it's almost like it's too clean, right? Like we're running this one quote unquote move, right? That's what, this is what we're focusing on. And we've set up the perfect scenario for it. Right. And we're going to do this over and over and over. And a lot of times, you know, the perfect scenario doesn't include defense. You know, we might tell them the defense is standing here, but it's a cone, 
right? So I I can do the skill, right? But you start to put the variables that you'll see in a game out there with extra defense, with reaching hands, defenders moving their feet, teammates cutting, like they're not prepared for that because they've never seen it in their preparation. They see it in their games when they're supposed to be performing, but they've never seen it in their preparation. Mm -hmm. So that's that's like when we think about practice players, right? You can put them in any drill, ask them to do any skill, and they look amazing. But then the productivity just isn't there because they don't understand the concepts of when to utilize it, how to utilize it, and which move am I supposed to be going to here, coach? Like they don't have that perfect, concrete, clean um, environment to do that in a game. And I feel like that's where that's where we need to make the shift in our our philosophies as coaches and as trainers is it's OK for some things to look chaotic. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's OK to have a, a messy segment because the game is messy. Right. Like everybody in America has sets, but the sets almost never work. Right. Like we can put them in possession positions to, to run these plays and. Uh, we can draw them up, diagram them, put them in the perfect spot, but the variables almost always get in the way, right? Um, it's great when they work. You look like a genius, but when they break down, do you have players that understand how to play, mm-hmm. right? Can they be productive on the court because they understand concepts? They've got a skill set that they can use. They are athletic, but do we have that whole package where they understand what we're trying to get out there on the court? Mm-hmm. Uh, preaching right here. I mean, if for anybody listening, feel free to rewind the past, you know, five minutes or so what coach Thomas had to share. I think that was just excellent stuff for, and that coaches at all levels can apply to the players that they're working with, whether you're a basketball trainer, AAU coach, you know, high school basketball coach, those are, those are huge. And, you know, the one thing that I would add that this would probably go into when you talked about some of the mental side and the competitive nature of the high level, the high performers that you have, what's one of the differences that you see between those high performers and some of the average and below average players is that hunger level and the sense of entitlement. Hmm. And so what I mean by that is like those really successful players, they're hungry, they're competitive, they're ready to get after it, right? They want to beat you. It doesn't matter if it's like a a one-on-one, a three-on-three, or if it's like the first person to make five layups. Right. They're, they're competitive. They want to, who's going to finish tying their shoes first. Right. Um, So that's a, that's a big difference. Like just that hunger and that competitive drive. And then the other thing that I've noticed with some of the best players that I've worked with is they're, they're more um, like grateful. They're more present. They take the time that they have and they use it, which with much more uh, resourcefulness right? They don't take anything for granted, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas you would think those are the high level players. They would start to take things for granted, but that's what made them so good in the first place is because they don't, right? And then you get the the average or below average players and like, yeah, it's, you know, another workout, another AU practice. It's another practice throughout the course of the season. And as coaches, we need to make sure that we do a really good job of teaching our players. Don't take a day, a moment, uh, a rep, for granted, right? Do the very best that you can. It doesn't mean it's going to be successful, right? The success is the fact that you didn't take it for granted. You tried to get the most out of it that you could. 
if we can start to build a team like that, that's not only going to be more fun because you want to be around people like that. You want to, we all want to be around high performers, right? Unless you're not a high performer, then you get scared away by, by people like that. Right. But if you're going to be on a good team, if you can build an environment where everybody's like that, that's just more success and, and just more fun in general to be around people like that. I, I, I love it. I love it. It's been all been great stuff. Coach, something that you know, I have conversations with varsity basketball coaches this time of year is they usually have, and I'll give you a scenario and you can just paint the picture however you like, but a lot of varsity coaches may have three workouts a week and maybe they only have 45 minutes to an hour with each group that you get, they get to work with. And maybe it's, it's, you know, four players or three players, depending on what state you're in, there's a bunch of different rules, what you could do. Florida has different rules than South Carolina, than Michigan, Ohio, whatever it might be. So very vague general question. So just you <laughs> take that and just run with it however you want. But if you were to go about creating a workout program for four weeks, six weeks before basketball season were to come along for some varsity level basketball players, what are some of the things that you would make sure you would get after and do, even though, you know, you're not in that coach's shoes of what defense they run, what offense they run, so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, so for me, man, I'm a firm believer in depth over width. So, and what I mean by that is, I would want to dive into specific concepts, right? I'd rather see great gains in one to two areas versus incremental growth in seven or eight areas, right? I'd rather be really, really good at a couple of things, right? So I can, uh, our program, we've got something to hang our hat on, right? And, and for our individual players, they've got something to hang their hat on as well, Um I think you build confidence that way, right? We've got some concepts that we know will work. I've got a skill set that I know will work. Um, it builds confidence for our players because they can execute it. And it builds confidence for our coaches because we know that, you know, we understand this action. We understand this concept. And when we need to make a play that we can go to this, right? So if I, if I build my program out and I stack, you know, multiple months, on top of each other where we're really focusing on, okay, this month we've got these two concepts that we're focusing on. And then the next month we've got these two concepts that we're focusing on. You know, you do that and you've got, you know, if you're a year round program and you go about it the right way, you can really develop some great gains over the the course of a preseason to a, to a complete season in your postseason workouts. Um, I think, I think that's huge, man. It's just really diving into it. Um, to get a little more specific, right. If, if, if I'm a coach, I'm going to prioritize my groups based on the, the skills that I need in our offense or in our actions. Right. So just thinking about offensively, if I break my groups into like my ball handlers or my initiators, and then I break another group into my slashers Then I break another group up of just my shooters. And then I break a group up of my bigs. Now that's kind of how I would group them up. And that gives me the opportunity to focus solely on these one to two concepts with them. Right. So for my, my ball handlers, if I'm trying to get them to get downhill and get in the paint and make decisions, right. I've got them all in the same group. That's what everybody's focusing on in this group. 
right? For my slashers, if I'm trying to um, get in the head, their heads of making those half second decisions, right? Now my training with that group is all in, okay, I catch it, I'm looking to shoot it, drive it, pass it. And it's a half second decision. So that's what our focus is with that group. For our shooters, if we're working to extend their range and attack closeouts, right? That's our focus for that entire month. Our bigs, maybe we're working dribble handoffs and ball screens. Um, and so I narrow our focus down with those groups. And now I know my bigs are awesome out of handoffs, right? I know I've got shooters that can make a decision on a closeout. My slashers, they're going to make quick, decisive decisions. My ball handlers can get in the paint and they can make plays for everybody. Um, if they can't, they can go right into a, a ball screen or a dribble handoff, right? Um, and so in my group workouts, we would have everybody, we would get our pre-practice stretch in our form shooting in, right? Because everybody needs those skills. Um, we would have uh, a package of just team footwork that everybody would get into every session, right? So if we're talking about a jab series or um, like up fakes in the post, playing out of up and under, step throughs, um, we would have that as part of part of your group workout. Then you go into your positional work, whatever those concepts are that you're focusing on. And then um, your, your post-practice, um, I'm sorry, I flipped that. Your post-practice is your form shooting, your pre-practice is your stretching and your ball handling. So we pre-practice, pre stretch, ball handling, then we get into our team footwork, then we get into our positional work, and then we end it with our post-practice form shooting. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, good outline of what a workout could look like for your players and, and love how you gave examples for every everyone. So that those are some great nuggets because I know, especially with the style of play that we have, whether teams are playing five out, four out, there's just, everybody's trying to utilize space. Right. And so the, the ways that you broke down those positions and some of those responsibilities and roles for players was was tremendous. Favorite shooting drill that you, you're doing right now with your players, coach. Um, So stole it from somewhere and it's called the Bradley Beal drill. Um, basically, you get two minutes and 30 seconds. You got to go around the perimeter. You have five spots. You got to make two in a row from all five spots. Once you get all the way around the perimeter, that gives you 10 points. Whatever time is left on the clock, you pick your favorite spot and you're shooting every make from that last spot counts as a point. So five total spots around the perimeter, the corner wing, top wing, corner. You got to make two in a row from each spot to move on to the next spot. Once you've hit two in a row from all five spots, that gives you 10 points. And you could stay in that corner or you could go to wherever your your bread and butter spot is and your your catch and shoot from that spot and every make at that spot counts as a point. That's a fun one. I like that one. We I haven't done that one, but uh we're gonna have to try that out with some of our guys and girls. I like that. And I've tried out tried out myself. The Bradley Beal drill. I Bradley like Beal. I have a feeling I stole it from Drew Handlin. Uh, you know, Bradley Beals probably, game. yeah, that's who, that's who Beals work <laughs> that, out. With. So, uh, that yeah, would be my guess. Um, but yeah, I love, I love adding that time constraint, putting some pressure on, um, to get, to get back to back makes. Um, um, I think that that's a great way to do it. Um, I think we need to add more, you know, more of a sense of urgency to when players are training, um, 
keep them locked in, keep them engaged, make everything meaningful. Every shot matters, right? Like I'm, I'm narrowing my focus and I'm solely locked in on this shot. The time and score is something that I think a lot of coaches are doing, which is, which is great. And we have some shooting drills that we do where, you know, there's the pressure of like that streak. And I think that this is a really good example of, you know, you make, it's not make two shots and move on. It's, it's two in a row. So you make that first one, there's that little more game-like pressure, right? Of, of, hey, I got to knock this shot down. Otherwise I'm back at zero. I got to make two in a row again. I like how much time I'm going to lose. So that's a, uh, another great variable to add to shooting workouts uh, specifically. And two and a half minutes is plenty of time for players to get, you know, some of that cardio in as far as being able to shoot long enough. And they're going to start to feel some of that, um, you know, some of that pressure and also just get a little, the juice is flowing, right? They're going to be breathing mm -hmm. hard. They're going to be pushing. Uh, so that's excellent. Excellent right there. Coach, we keep talking shooting drills, player development, all this stuff. We go on and on. And I know, you know, our conversations aren't going to, aren't going to stop anytime at all, but thanks for taking the time. Tell our listeners a little bit of where they can learn more about what you have going on. Yeah, for sure. Coach, you know, I, I, I love it. We could be out here all day. Um, but uh, you can follow me on all the major social medias at Hoop Grind, H-O-O-P-G-R-I-N-D. Um, always open to, to learning new things, growing my network. Um, I, I love just to, to build and learn, man. I'm a, I'm a hoop junkie. Uh, there's tons of knowledge out there, and I'm, I'm far from knowing it all. Um, I'm always trying to find new ways to improve and, and help people grow. I appreciate that coach. And, you know, I think there's, there's a difference between, you know, what they say being like book smart and street smart, right. Mm -hmm. One, one is, is just knowledge that's in your brain. The, the other one is like, I'm an active participant in my, my learning. Right. And what I love about you is you're both. And I think we all want to be both, right. We want to be these students where we're, we're reading and we're watching video and we're asking questions and this podcast, an example, I get the chance to learn, learn a lot from you. And so being able to take in this information is huge for all of us as coaches, but also the real life application, right? The street smart aspect of it. Like you got to go yourself out as a coach, try some of this stuff that coach Thomas has, has shared, right. And start to think about, you know, listening to this podcast and ask yourself, what could I have done better? for my players the next time. What did I give them that was maybe a little too advanced, right? Maybe, maybe that was, it was pretty easy. We can start to hit the gas uh, a little bit more, right? And decide, do I hit the gas? Do I hit the brakes? What needs more detail? What are kids figuring out on their own? Now I can just shut up and give them, you know, a, a 20 second sound bite instead of going on for two or three minutes. Yeah. You gotta be a practitioner as well as being able to take in new information. And that's the sweet spot for all of us, right? there's a lot of people out there who are just consuming, but they're not creating. Right. And, and, and there's other people who are, they're creating, but they're not consuming new information, which means they're just creating based on what they already know. And they're not trying to be a, a student of the game and learn. So then that becomes, well, this is just how we've always done it. Why? Well, I don't really have a good reason. That's just what my coach did, did for me 20 years ago. And so that's what the drill that we do too. Right. You're coaching, but we got to grow. If you can combine both, right, the the consuming, the creating, 
the the book smart, the street smart. I mean, that that's the recipe for success that I think all of us as coaches want to have and, and the type of people that we want to build that we get the chance to chance to work with. And, and you are that person, coach, which is why I just I really I highly respect you um, getting the chance to talk hoop with you every time. I started out with following you guys on Instagram and I was like, I like what this guy's putting out there. And now it's it's built into a a distant friendship, which I appreciate. So uh, thanks again, coaches. Been great to our uh, coaches as listeners. Appreciate you. Get after today. Yes, sir. Appreciate you, coach. Thank you.